Hello and welcome to this, our first Bellingham Story Hour podcast. Um, This episode focuses on pets and animals. And we'd like to acknowledge quickly that we are recording this, creating our art, and using resources on the lands of the Lummi and Nooksack tribes here by the Coast Salish Seas, and uh, very grateful to be in this space and have them steward the spaces of nature and beauty for us. And all of these stories were recorded live during our live story share at New Prospect Theater in downtown Bellingham. And I'm Camry. I'm Krissa. And I'm Danielle. This next story is from Caitlin Lazansky. I am a student. I'm a broke college student. And I also have a physical disability. So uh, sex work is not how I pay my bills. I actually sell my data. Um, I uh, signed up for this um, uh, user research study uh, done through uh, Microsoft. And I uh, basically allowed this company to um, look through my search history. And I also sent them screenshots of my search history uh, five times a day. So I had to come up with five things that I would search that day uh, and take a screenshot of it and type in what I searched and why I was looking for it and what I was looking, like what answer I was looking for. Um, And I did that every day for three weeks. Um, and I would send things like, like originally my, my searches were like food open near me or, or like, am I crazy? Or, you know, other things like that. Um, what is, you know, transactional motivation in business management? <laughs> Cause I'm also a business student. Um, and so just like, you know, normal things that I would have to think of to search for. Um, and then they emailed me and they were like, hey, we are looking for more, um, we're looking for more information from you. Uh, if you continue to like refine your searches, we might ask you for an extra interview, which would come with a, another, another stipend. And I was like, yeah, I want another stipend. So I, you know, really dug my heels into this search thing. And I was like, Ethiopian food open near me (laughs) or like, does this thing make me crazy? Um, and and things like that. Like I was really trying to like, you know, get that interview, um, to get that extra stipend. And fortunately I got it. Uh, they emailed me, um, two weeks into the study and they were like, we love what you've been sending us. We would love it if you would tell us more. Um, and so I, uh, um, joined this Zoom meeting with Margaret. Uh, she is a, a, um, a researcher for this company. And she was like, I am not affiliated with the product. I am uh, simply here to ask you questions. Uh, you don't have to feel embarrassed about anything that you tell me. If you have like a positive or a negative experience, I am just a third party. I'll be facilitating this conversation. Um, and you will be live streamed to approximately 50 stakeholders and software engineers who are also very interested in all of your responses. Um, so you can't see them right now, but they are watching you on this Zoom call. Um, I would just like to mention I'm sitting in my bed because uh, I don't have a desk. <laughs> I, um, I'm sitting in my bed. Uh, I had just put a shirt on for this meeting. Um, I had not showered. 
I don't think I even put on pants. So I was like, yeah, I'll totally share my very professional opinion uh, on a live stream to 50 stakeholders and software engineers. Um, thank you for thinking so highly of me. Um, so, so Margaret, she's like, okay, so we're going to kick things off and we're going to have you recreate a couple of searches that you've done previously. Uh, and then kind of, I'm going to ask you some questions about why you searched for those things and, and we'll, you know, go from there. And so she's like, okay, what have you searched recently? I was like, um, you know, mayor of Snoqualmie 2020, uh, painful, ingrown hair, help, um, uh, living with OCD, when does season four of Bluey come to Disney Plus? And she's like, that one. I'm like, oh, God damn it. Can it please be the ingrown hair? <laughs> like, please ask me questions about my OCD or my ingrown hair. Um, and she's like, no, no, no. We, I want to hear about Bluey. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Bluey is a, an Australian cartoon for kids um, and, and adults. Uh, and it's uh, basically it follows this uh, blue healer dog, this family of blue healer dogs in Australia, and they have these cute Australian accents, and it follows uh, the, the daughter of this family, her name's Bluey, um, and she is very imaginative, and she has a lot of energy, and she probably has undiagnosed ADHD, and she has a little, little sister named Bingo, um, and it is so much, it is so cute, and I have been watching it uh, with my friends and with my partner, because um, it just is very healing, and it's, it's very lovely. Um, if you have a child, or if you have an inner child, I highly recommend watching it. Um, and uh, and that's what I had to explain to this live stream of 50 stakeholders and software engineers um, as Margaret started asking these questions of like, so why are you so interested in season four of Bluey? Um, what were you hoping to achieve by searching for this answer? Um, what was it about this show that like made like were, were there other things that made you think of this show like really getting into the details of why I love Bluey as a 23 year old college student um, and honestly it I started out feeling kind of embarrassed because I was like, oh my gosh, I have to explain to all these like tech bros um, that I watch Bluey uh, basically for a living. And, um, and, uh, and then it turned into a really lovely moment because I started feeling really empowered by my knowledge of the show. Um, and, I was like, and I was like, oh, just you wait. Have I told you about Dance Mode, the episode Dance Mode? Um, so basically, uh, something happens, and Bingo is like really sad, and the parents are like, we'll make it up to you, Bingo. And so they do Dance Mode, which is where Bingo can like, you know, turn their tail uh, up and down, and then they'll like dance in public, and it's really cute. Um, and it talks about like your inner voice versus your outer voice, and like the things that you don't share with other people when you maybe feel nervous. Um, and it's a great episode to start on. Highly recommend. And Margaret is sitting there like, yes, please tell me more. Okay, this is wonderful. Like she is like detailed notes, taking detailed notes about all my responses. Um, and it was a really lovely moment because I just got to rant about this TV show that I love and also like answer their questions and talk about like this new feature and the function. I was like professional about it. But I also was just like sitting there having someone like 
unconditionally validate what I loved and and what I was doing with my life. Um, and it was just really, it was a very lovely moment. Um, and so I really hope that uh, they enjoyed the qualitative data <laughs> that they gleaned from, from my interview. Um, and I hope it was helpful. Uh, I definitely um, thought it was worth the $180 paycheck. So I walked away feeling very happy with that exchange. Um, yeah, thank you. This is a story from Danielle Morgan Sharon called What's That Noise? What is that noise? Or maybe I should say, why? Why is that noise? It's 2002, Um, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky with my noise band and we're playing a show. And I'm in the audience and the person on stage is a noise band. And if you're wondering what a noise band is, it can be many things. This particular one is a guy in his early 20s, long stringy hair with a piece of metal that has been attached to some processing pedals and an an amplifier and he is just taking that piece of metal and a different piece of metal and hitting it and it goes in different pitches for about 20 minutes or so um i play in a noise band uh but i do not love the noise um It's much more fun, as you can imagine, to play than to listen to. I developed what I considered to be noise face. It also works really well for performance art face. And it it looks a little something like this. It's just a a slight smile, but it is plastered on my face and it doesn't move for the entire show. No matter what happens. Enjoying and not enjoying doesn't matter. Just supportive, blank smile face. Um, This is what I do when I listen to noise. Um, my bandmate, Michael, is a little bit different. Um, I should say he's one of the kindest people I know, but also one of the most honest. And after each show on our tour, he managed to always be standing across from me, telling me exactly what he thought of all the other bands, why they are all still in the same room, usually right behind him looking at me. And he does this very loudly because he's in his 70s and his hearing is no longer very good because most of his bands have been him playing electric violin with one ear up against the amplifier. So, anyway, fun to play, not great to listen to. And our band is a little bit of a different flavor. We called it avant-garde smooth noise, um, which... Uh, consisted of me and Michael and Caroline playing different instruments, um, and Caroline's about my age, uh, violin, cello, viola, trumpet, uh, clarinet, different classical instruments that are then um, attached to microphones, and, th- and we're called the Artie Smudges Trio, and the fourth member of our band, he stands at a table behind us, uh, that's Adam, who is Michael's son, and he's in his 40s, and he's playing, basically taking all of our sounds and 
and he manipulates them and distorts them and sends them back out. And we improvise with him, he improvises with us. It is just really bizarre chaos um, and really fun to play. It's like having a very intricate conversation with people you like in a completely abstract way. So the next morning, we are in Louisville, Kentucky, about to have brunch, which is really a treat for us. We don't make a lot of money, as you can imagine, playing noise shows. Just really, just enough for gas to the next show. So after a night of really grating, screeching noise, we're like, let's treat ourselves to brunch. So we get to the front of the line and realize this brunch place only takes cash, and we have no cash. So Caroline and I, we decide, you know, we volunteer to go to the nearest ATM, which is a few blocks away. So we start walking through this beautiful day in Louisville, Kentucky. It's a Sunday. The sun is shining. It is so quiet, except for birds chirping lightly. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, what is that noise? And I, we both see this guy running up the other side of the street. And he is running after a tabby cat. And that tabby cat is the source of this noise. But it's because it's got something in its mouth. And the thing in its mouth is making that noise. And just as he passes us, he turns to us and he says, that cat's got a baby bunny. And I think, I didn't know bunnies made noise. But okay, and we just start running after him. Without, I don't even think we talk to each other. We just take off after this guy who's running after this cat who's holding this bunny in its mouth, and the bunny is screaming. And then all of a sudden, the cat turns into this uh, side of this house and into the backyard. The guy turns after the cat, and we just stop in front of the house, just kind of like waiting, not sure how to help this guy at this point. And all of a sudden, the screaming stops, and it's quiet again. And the cat comes running out. And then, all of a sudden, I see this tiny white and black blurry ball hurtling at me. So I just squat down like a goalie. And this little fuzzball just rolls right into my hands. And I pick it up, and it is just shivering and its little heart is going a mile a minute and its little nose is going a mile a minute and I try to like calm it down and say oh no it's okay you're safe you're okay and then the guy breathless comes out from behind the house and I say hey hey mister here's your bunny and he looks me in the eye and he says it's not my bunny starts walking away and Caroline and I just kind of try to figure out what are we going to do with this bunny. And so we start walking towards the ATM machine again, looking around to see if we can find a neighbor, somebody who breeds cat, breeds bunnies or has bunnies. We see a guy on his porch, and so I say, uh, hey, hey, excuse me, sir, um, do you know who has bunnies or breeds bunnies? We, we found this baby bunny right here. It's like white, it's got black around its eyes like a little goth eyeliner and little black ears and it's literally this big the guy looks at me and he goes oh yeah that's one of them alley bunnies and he gestures with his head as if we're supposed to just put it back in the alley where it belongs I am not doing that 
So we go, we get cash, we go back to the brunch place, and I find uh, Michael and Adam already at a booth, and I sit down with this little bunny in my lap. And over brunch, we discuss what to do with this bunny. Uh, Adam comes up with an idea. Uh, maybe a joke, maybe not. What if we, as we're driving out of town, find a playground? And we find a little kid, and we say, hey, um, come over here. We hand the kid the bunny and we say, tell your parent that God said to give you this bunny. And we drive away. I eventually convince them that I can handle this. I know pets. I know I've worked at pet stores. Bunnies are very well-behaved, quiet little creatures that just, you know, they just are really easy. And if they agree that if I can find what we need at a pet store, we'll take the bunny on the rest of the tour. So we leave Louisville, Kentucky with a Tupperware with a little bunny, some wood shavings, rabbit food, and a water bottle. And we drive in our van. As we're going, we're trying to figure out what are we going to name this bunny? And all of a sudden we realize that on our album, one of our songs is called And They Called Her Lily. So we did. We called her Lily. And she rode with us all the way back to Bellingham. And it went really, really well. You know, she fit in really well with our band. Everybody loved her. She was the, the quietest member of a noise band you can imagine. Until I get home and I move back into my room at my parents' house, Lily with me, and we kind of get into our routine. She is the sweetest bunny. She does this thing. She makes this little like nudging with her little nose when she wants to be pet and I'd pet her head and then she would lick my hand turns out bunnies are very social and they like to groom each other Um, but this idea that bunnies don't make noise is not true when she nudges my hand she makes this little (laughs) noise like a little piggy which is adorable bunnies are also crepuscular which means that they are most active at dawn and dusk. I, myself, am not crepuscular. Um, I have been in a band for a long time, and I like to sleep in till noon. And so every morning at dawn, the bunny starts doing this thing, called, what I, which I called bunny bunny zoom, where the bunny would run in a circle, down onto the floor, up over the bed, down onto the floor, up over the bed, stop, kick, 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 and go the other direction. And I don't know if you've ever seen that jump they do where they just kick, the, like a leprechaun kicked in the air. And she would do this, bunny, bunny, zoom, until I woke up. Eventually, I started sleeping through that. So then, she would bunny, bunny, zoom, and then come up to me and start mm, 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 nudging my face. And if that didn't work, she'd give me a little bite on the face. Gentle, but still a bite. And that would wake me up. I started sleeping through that. And then, she would go and find anything in the room, usually like something metal, like a pen or something, and she would go, oh, one time even a metal coat hanger, and she'd go up over to the, um, the door of my closet, which the edges were metal, and she would bang it. She'd pick it up in her mouth and just go, so it was like, ting, 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 five o'clock in the morning, every morning. So eventually... We came to a decision, I came to a decision, that at dawn, when she woke up, I would scoop her up, run to the backyard, which was fenced, 
dumper in the backyard and go back to sleep. <laughs> and then every once in a while I'd wake up and our neighbors would be like, hey, the bunny's in your yard. So if you are ever with your child, maybe, I'm remembering when I was a child, I would say, hey, mom, what sound? You know, we'd play that game. What sound does the cow make? What sound does the cat make? What sound does the dog make? We'd often get to bunny and I'd be like, mom, what sound does the bunny make? And my mom would say, honey, bunnies don't make noise. That is not the right answer. This story is called We Can Do Hard Things, and it is from me, Krista Woywood. I was trying to make it across the parking lot. Just make it across the parking lot to my car because I was making a very uh, hasty and very necessary retreat from the dog park that was immediately behind me. In front of me was my then eight-year-old running as fast as she could across the parking lot to get to some play structure across the way. To my right was my then three-year-old who was walking like three-year-olds do, which is a little slow and um, very much in the moment. And there was me. I, at that point, had a bit of a limp also (laughs) because of a hip injury. And then on my uh, left, in my left hand, uh, were the leashes of the reasons that we were making a very hasty retreat from the dog park. And that um, was the three very small uh, white chihuahua mix dogs, two of which were puppies. One was an older gentleman dog. And uh, at that moment, they were writhing around, barking, barking their butts off is how we refer to it in our family, and um, biting at each other, making just some sort of like a dog kind of ball of chaos at the end of the leashes that kept getting shorter because they were wrapping themselves around just making a leash braid and making the um, procession across the parking lot um, very chaotic and loud and just not working out very well. And right when I went to yell again um, at my then eight-year-old to please slow down across the parking lot, that's when I noticed the lady who was walking across the parking lot, um, going to the dog park. And she was just a very calm and dignified-looking lady, walking a golden retriever, of course, and you know, wearing expensive outerwear and just looking very, very calm and, and um, serene as was her dog. (laughs) They were a very dignified pair, and I noticed her noticing my particular situation, and I know that she didn't mean it with ill intent, but I saw her say, whoa. And like I, I wasn't mad about that. Like that was a very true. We th- we were a whoa. 
Like that situation was a woe situation, and I did not blame her one bit for inadvertently exclaiming that as she made a wide berth around us. And um, I really, you know, I had no one to blame but myself for that particular situation because um, I was just starting to realize that the things that make me, you know, an okay parent to humans um, actually make me a not so great parent to dogs. Like dogs really don't care if you empathize with their feelings and give them a lot of space to process big emotions or, you know, make sure that they know that they're unconditionally loved no matter what mistakes they make. You'll always be there for them. Dogs really just want routine and uh, discipline and uh, (laughs) they want consistency. And those are three things that don't come naturally to me. So uh, raising dogs was just, you know, a little bit slightly difficult at this point. The first dog uh, showed up at my work. A co-worker was fostering him, and um, I had never had my own dog before, and uh, he was unlike any dog that I'd ever met because he was a chihuahua mixed with a pug, maybe mixed with, like, a loaf of bread (laughs) or a little, like, burrito, and uh, he did not seem to care if anyone liked him which also was unlike any dog I've ever met. So I was like, I like you. It's usually how that goes for me. And uh, so we adopted him and we named him Buster. And Buster was a great addition, is still a great addition to our family. Um, You know, just very seamless addition, a perfect dog, except for the occasional times when he would bite the ankles of children. Um... (laughs) male children especially or the wheels of strollers that contained children um, or the wheels of skateboards that also had children on top of them just really did not like those and also um, there's this fact that he did not play he wasn't a playful dog at all like toys fetch just like no thank you I do not want to do that. Like, it was beneath him. His dignity was insulted. Like, fetch. Like, oh, please, no. So it made sense that a couple of years later, my then seven-year-old, almost turning eight, asked for another dog. A fun dog. Like, maybe we could have a playful dog, a younger dog, and uh, it would be her dog. She would take care of it. And I thought, yes, maybe that would actually help Buster rediscover his youth learn to play again, like just embrace the part of him that maybe was just deeply buried. And so I said, yes, we can do hard things. It will be hard to have this puppy. It will be difficult to have two dogs, but you know what? We can do it. We can do hard things. And so we ended up with Peaches. Peaches Cream Pie is her full name. She's a Chihuahua and a Jack Russell Terrier mix. Um, I thought maybe that they were, since they were both part Chihuahuas, they'd have that in common. (laughs) And could, you know, just make them a little more apt to bond with each other. And that was not the case. He hated her a lot. (laughs) 
And, uh, and I was also right that it was very, very hard uh, to have a puppy and a dog. And, um, you know, we struggled. I read all the books, but we still really struggled and were struggling. And somehow that did not stop me from saying yes when our neighbor across the street handed me a tiny ball of fur that was a puppy, a a Shih Tzu, Dotson, and Chihuahua mixed puppy that was part of a batch of dogs that she and a friend were trying to save from a dog hoarding situation. And since I already had a puppy happening in the house, could I possibly help her foster these dogs, a litter, a small litter of dogs, find them homes, get them out of their terrible situation? And I said, yes, yes, we can do hard things. This is a hard thing. We're already doing it. We're deep in. Like, what's a little deeper? (laughs) It's not, you know, it's just a little deeper. So why not? And um, I don't know if it was lack of sleep. Maybe that made me make that choice. So we did. We fostered the dogs. At one point, Daisy, my three-year-old, turned and was like, this is too many dogs, Mama. And I was like, yeah, it is. And we found, do- we found homes for all of uh, the other, his litter mates. Um, and we found a home with us for uh, Toby. We named him Toby. Uh, ostensibly, we adopted him for Peaches and also for Buster because uh, Peaches and Toby bonded and left Buster alone. So it seemed like a pretty good scenario. And we were okay. We were doing hard things. And uh, then COVID happened. And so uh, the dogs missed out on quite a bit of socialization, which is apparently very important, and also just general routine, and uh, they uh, now have absolutely no chill (laughs) whatsoever. Walking them is like, you're, they're like a ski, you know, sled sled dogs, like they're just pulling so hard on the leash, and um, they are just a very visible and humbling reminder to me that uh, yes, yes, we can absolutely do hard things. We just won't do them very well. workshops on the first and third Tuesdays of every month at New Prospect Theater in Bellingham, Washington. And you are welcome to register for those on our website, which is bellinghamstoryhour.com. And we wanted to leave you with a little um, piece of some of our workshops. If you are feeling so inspired, part of our workshop is Um, We have a series of prompts that people can utilize to try to kind of get those stories shaken out of their brains. And um, one of the prompts that uh, you could think about, this isn't homework, this is just inspo, right? Um, Is uh, what is in your junk drawer? I like that one a lot. Like I use that one. Yeah. Um, If you just take a minute to like think about or look in your junk drawer kind of make a list and see 
if in doing that, if that triggers anything for you, like any, in, these are good triggers. Yes. Um, any kind of memories or um, just ideas about like. In some ways, it's even better if you don't look, if you just go from memory. Yeah. If you have a junk drawer, you probably know what right. horrors or delights await you in there. So that is your, that is your uh, story hour prompt um, for this episode. What is in your junk drawer? Could be the metaphysical junk drawer of your brain. We shouldn't go there. <laughs> but you could. <laughs> but you could. <laughs> you absolutely could. Um, as always, Bellingham Story Hour is supported by many community members. First and foremost, Pro- New Prospect Theater for Space, Community Time, and allowing us to just have a home. Uh, Champion Street Sound Studio for the use uh, of recording, editing, etc. Danielle Morgan, Sharon for editing. Um, and viewers like you. <laughs> are they viewers or no, are they listeners? listeners. <laughs> and Ron Warner for uh, gathering the original recordings of our super awesome storytellers. The music from this podcast is from the album Fiction by Anna Arvin. You can find that on Bandcamp and also on iloveyouavalanche.com. And as always, folks, we are looking forward to hearing from you. Uh, and hearing your stories and sharing a community with you. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>